BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. This is Coach Young. I hope you and your family had a tremendous Thanksgiving. On today's podcast, and today is November 27th, we're going to get into five things. We'll talk a little bit about the rise of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll talk about the Warriors. Is there concerns with what's going on in Golden State in the way that they're playing? The Magic is back. Orlando has been playing phenomenal basketball leading the Southeast Division right now, folks. We'll see why they're doing this and can they continue this magical run. We'll take a look at the Pac-12 odds. If you remember last episode on Thanksgiving, I went through a bunch of major conferences. I left out the Pac-12. Although I mentioned who I like to win it, I still want to give you a little bit more of an explanation on that. And then we'll end it up talking about the amazing play of Zach Eady. Yes, Purdue fans, I am complimenting Zach Eady, but can his game translate to the next level? So, like again, once again, folks, thank you uh, for being here for this podcast. Let's just get started right away. Folks, the Oklahoma City Thunder has been a tremendous story. And if you think about Oklahoma City, they're second in the Western Conference. They are on an 8-2 run, one game behind Minnesota, two wins over the Warriors and the Suns, and the three reasons why that this team is playing really well is, number one, they could score the ball, they could score in bunches, and they have a bunch of guys, six of them, as a matter of fact, that get you between 10.1 and 18 points a game, along with, obviously, SJ leading the team in scoring. Second, uh, the coaching of Mark Dagnall, who's been absolutely fantastic, taking the team from 22 to 24 to 40 wins. But before we go all in, we got to pump our brakes and see how a team like Oklahoma City does, particularly during the last part of uh, this month and um, into next month, because there is a big stretch to end the year where they play a lot of contenders. So when you look at Oklahoma City, let's break it down by player and kind of get you guys thinking about what's going on. First, SGA. I mean, let's put it out there right now, folks. SGA is a top 10 player in the NBA. And you could make the argument that he is approaching the top five. Think about this, folks. SGA is getting you 30.4 points per game so far this season. He's shooting 53.4% from the floor, 36.4% from three along with, obviously, uh, a little over six rebounds and six assists a game. But here's the one thing that I love about SGA. The number is 2.7. You know what that is? That's his assist-to-turnover ratio. So a guy that's getting you 30 points a night 
and shooting it at the point guard position at 53.4% from the floor, 36% from three, is giving you 2.7 assist to turnover ratio with the ball in his hands. So you got to be excited about what SGA has brought to the table uh, offensively as the leader of this young team. But like I said before, you have five other guys that are scoring between 10.1 and 18 points per game. Let's take a look. First, Chet Holmgren at 18.1, eight rebounds, and shooting 56.4% from the floor, or 53.4% from the floor, excuse me, <clears throat> and 44% from three. If you look at the odds right now to win the rookie of the year, I'm going to say it. You should be looking at Chet Holmgren because to me, what Chet has done offensively and defensively, I do believe Chet's getting about 2.3 blocks per game. But because of what he's doing on the defensive end of the floor, that's why you got Chet sitting at minus 105 at FanDuel, basically chasing Victor Webinyama. I'm going to say this right now. Chet's rookie of the year. I'm not taking anything away from Big Vic. But what Chet's doing offensively, defensively, for a team that's winning and winning a lot, you have to look at the play of Chet Holmgren has been fantastic. But it's deeper than SGA. It's deeper than Chet. How about Jalen Williams giving you 17.5 points per game? 4.1 rebounds, shooting at a 53% clip. Josh Giddy giving you 12.1 points per game. 5.8, 4.8. Or how about Isaiah Joe giving you 11.1 points per game, shooting at a crazy 48.5% from three, or Lou Dort is giving you 10.7 or 43% from three. So, so let's think about this. They're third in the league in scoring, right? They're second in field goal percentage. They're first in three-point percentage, and they're sixth in offensive efficiency. They can score the ball. And as much as we want to talk about the greatness of SGA, and he is absolutely sensational, you cannot discount the play of some of these other guys because there's some of their parts. Going into this year, I like their team win total over. I think it was at 44 wins, if I'm not mistaken. They are well on their way to that, and they are the team of the future, folks. If you think about, I think, the 38 draft picks that Sam Presti has at his disposal, they got all this and the draft picks. Imagine what happens when Sam Presti stops punting and goes for it. Oklahoma City could be the new superpower of the Western Conference. But although I'm so excited about this, I want people to understand this. We have to pump our brakes a little bit because think about this. Let's talk again at the end of the year. We'll talk about We'll revisit it, the first podcast of 2024. You think about this. Oklahoma City has this schedule the rest of the calendar year. At Minnesota, home Lakers, at Dallas, home Utah, at Sacramento, at Denver, home Memphis, home Clippers, home Minnesota, home Knicks, at Denver, and home Nets. The Nick game is a back-to-back, I do believe, after Minnesota. And it doesn't count what they may do in the playing tournament. So although they're playing great and the hottest team in the Western Conference, let's circle back at the end of the year 
and let's see. If there's still, you know, five, six, seven, eight games over 500, then we can sit here for real. But they will get tested. But the way that Mark Dagonalt's coached them, I have a feeling that they're going to still be there. While we talk about the excitement of some teams in the Western Conference, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, we have to wonder if this is not only a changing of the guard, but maybe an end of an era, if you may say. And the end of the era I'm talking about are the Golden State Warriors. Eight and nine losers of seven of their last ten. And we'll get into the reasons why, but I'm going to go out and say it. I think the title run is over in Golden State. I think that it's been an amazing run, and you can't knock what Draymond, Steph, Clay, and Steve Kerr have done. But when you look at the West and what's going on, and these young teams, and these veteran teams, and these win-now teams, I think the Golden State Warriors, ready for this, folks, has a better chance of finishing last in their division than they do to even get out of the first round of the playoffs. If, if they even get there. So let's take a look reason why I feel this way with Golden State. Number one, this is no, no knock on the great play of Steph Curry, who has been absolutely fantastic. Yes, Steph has missed a bunch of games, but still Steph is scoring at a ridiculous 29.7 points per game. He's shooting at 44% from three, 94% from the free throw line, 48.4% from the floor. I mean, besides his assists, folks, everything is on par or higher than his career average. So this is not a knock on the great Steph Curry because Steph has done his part, and we saw what they were like when he was out. And I think that is the number one reason why I'm concerned with Golden State. He does miss time for injuries. And I think when you look at a guy like Steph, who has missed time for injuries over the course of his career, I think that you can be concerned of, at his age, when is the next injury going to come? Yes, he did play uh, a lot of games early in his career, but think about this. Only 56 games at 23, 64 and 22. So he has started to show, uh, I wouldn't say a decline, but more likely to become injured, which could affect his overall value and help to Golden State. Number two, Clay Thompson hasn't been the same. And let, let me un, you understand something, folks. And I can tell you this as a coach. There is now two worse injuries to come back from than an ACL tear and a torn Achilles. He did it back to back. He did it back to back. And people were saying two years out of injury that you are going to get the best version of Clay. Remember, folks, I do believe Clay can become a free agent at the end of this year. But Clay is now shooting his lowest point, his worst points per game of his career, his second worst field goal shooting percentage, and the lowest three point percentage of his career. So if Steph is Batman, Clay's got to be a better Robin. And so far, he has not shown himself enough consistently enough to show that he is back and being that legitimate number two option or number one option when Steph goes to the bench or is injured. Clay must do better if the Warriors are going to make a title run. Next, Andrew Wiggins. Let's be honest, folks. Since the end of the finals two years ago, where the hell has Andrew Wiggins been? I mean, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. 
where has Andrew Wiggins been? Andrew Wiggins is one of the great enigmas of this sport because his, his talent is scintillating. And the things that he could do athletically, offensively, defensively have been outstanding. But have y'all looked at these damn stats? Andrew Wiggins has, shown, has his worst points per game so far in his career, 11.8. He's got his lowest field goal shooting percentage of his career. Right now he's shooting uh, at 41.7%. And he's shooting a robust 25.5% from three. Now, I know people over the years have said knocked Andrew Wiggins a little bit. But, folks, I know he scored a little bit less obviously with Golden State than he did with uh, Minnesota. But he's gone from 19.4 to 18.6 to 17.1 to 17.1 to 11.8. Bro, that is the wrong direction for a kid that's 28, which a, a guy that should be going into his prime with no really crazy injury history. He's missed games here and there, but who doesn't? So to me, Andrew Wiggins has just got to be much better than what he's shown, and he's got to start to show more than what his basketball card has said in the past. He's got to show the player that Golden State thought they were they were getting. Next, you got to go to Draymond. Why? Well, Draymond's stats aren't terrible. Draymond Green is Forrest Gump. You you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. I mean, the guy went on went on today, November twenty seventh, and said he's up to regret putting Rudy Gobert in a headlock. By the way, bro, that was a chokehold. Dude turned purple. Let's call it what it is, Draymond. It was a chokehold. But Draymond is so volatile that when he is great, he is unbelievable. When he's not in his best self, he's destructive. And let me tell you something. Like, when you think about that, people may think about, well, Dennis Rodman was the same way. Don't, don't, don't ever compare Draymond Green to Dennis Rodman. Don't, don't ever do it. Listen, Rodman was crazy. He did some crazy stuff, went to Vegas during the last uh, uh, run with the, the Bulls, the, the stuff that he did with Carl Malone, the dressing and drag, all that stuff. If you gave me prime Dennis Rodman, or prime Draymond Green, I'm taking Rodman all day, twice on Sunday. So don't talk to me about volatile when say Dennis Rodman was like this. That, that doesn't compare to this. Draymond's got to be better. And my concern is Draymond got his bag. He got his money. I think it was four years, $100 million. Besides his legacy and another championship, what does Draymond have to play for? Definitely not a new contract. Lastly, the bench. When you look at a team that had greatness over the years with Steph, Clay, Draymond, the bench is not what it was. Folks, there's no Iguodala coming off the bench. There's no Dante DiVincenzo was great for them last year. There's no Otto Porters. There's no Damian Lees. Shoot, there's no Jordan Pools. Sam, it doesn't matter how bad Jordan Poole was last year. And in the playoffs, it doesn't matter how bad Jordan Poole has been this, so far this year for Washington. Jordan Poole is a bucket on that team. They missed that. Now, although Jonathan Kaminga has played better, he's taken a step. It's not the step they need. And guys like Moody have not been what they expected. It's going to be interesting. But like I said, I think there's a better chance a Golden State finishes last than gets out of the first round of the playoffs. 
if they even get in. Let's go to another team that's surprising. Oh, 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 it's magic. Oh, I know. And you don't have to tell me because I've watched this team flourish this year and start off at a 12-5 record, first place in the Southeast Division, and the Magic has won seven games in a row. This ain't the Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal, Orlando Magic. This ain't the Dwight Howard, Orlando Magic. This is the Magic led by Franz Wagner and Paolo Banquero. And it's an amazing thing to look at when you look at this team as, folks, they have eight guys that are scoring between 8.2 and 18 points a game. So let's start with Boncaro, the second-year guy who has done absolutely fantastic scoring. I'm sorry, 19. 19.8 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 4.6 assists, shooting 44% from three, 49% from the floor. And then I'll have to go to the other side. Wagner shooting uh, 19.5 points per game, 45.2% from the floor, 82.5 from the free throw line. He's got to get his three-point shooting percentage up. And that will be something that we'll have to watch over the course of the next uh, couple of months as, as we see in this Orlando team with Miami not playing up to par and Atlanta being up and down. Could this be the year that Orlando takes that step that no one thought they could? You got to remember, folks, there are no, if you take away those, those three teams in that division, you're also dealing with Charlotte and Washington, who are god-awful. So they should be able to stack wins, and you can't knock them. You just got to tell them to put the schedule in front of them and go from there. So why why am I impressed with Orlando? I, I showed you the two guys, but like I said, eight players, 8.2 points per game or higher. They're stack, look, none of their stats blow you away. But they beat you by the sum of their parts. And I think that is something that, we don't see enough in the NBA because we keep thinking about, um, you know, the star power and, the, you know, the two stars and the three stars and the four stars. And, and we don't talk about a team that can hit you in many different ways. See, folks, when you got eight, eight guys that get eight points a game or more, I've said this before, the more guys that could score, the harder it is to scout because you can only take away so much. There's always going to be at least one defensive liability on the floor. Maybe there's two. So when you got eight guys that can score, as a coach, you can you can uh, you can mix and match, and, and and keep rotating guys in until you get a group that works. I also would say you know the play of Cole Anthony off the bench at 15 points a game. Listen, Cole World can score, man. It's just there's no mistaking that Cole can do this, and he's done this. Uh, for for a while now in his career, but he's accepted this six man role and he's played it pretty well. I think getting Jalen Suggs over his stature, only twelve point four four and two point seven, he's done a good job of of you know running the point for them and giving them what they need. Got to remember, folks, Wendell Carter Jr. has only played five games this year. You know, Gary Harrison is five games. You know, Jonathan Isaac just got back; he's played fourteen games. So this team is still developing and developing in a way where you really think that this team could do something really special. But when you keep talking about a team like, like this, 
you got to look at some of the other things that they do well. And that's defense and grit. I've always talked about defense being an absolute and never leaving. Always having to be there. Well, it's there for Orlando. Think about this. Number two in defensive efficiency. Number three in field goal percentage defense. Number seven in offensive rebounding percentage. Number one in the NBA in drawing personal fouls. And number one in combined steals and blocks per game. So you're not blowing your way with your offense. Blowing your way with their toughness and their togetherness and their commitment to each other. And that's why a team like Orlando is sitting at the record that they are. And if I pull up Orlando's uh, schedule really quick, this is kind of the same thing we were talking about before. Now, uh, with Oklahoma City. Now, they, they got, to end the week, they got Washington, Washington, and then Brooklyn. And remember, folks, they could win their group, okay? But then after that, besides the season tournament, which they probably can make that, that final eight, Cleveland at Boston, at Boston, home Miami, at Milwaukee, at Indiana, at Washington, home Philadelphia, New York, at Phoenix, end the year. Another team, another team like Oklahoma City, where we are going to have to come back the beginning of 2024 and say, are they still there? And that's going to be an important thing for a team like Orlando, which has played, obviously, uh, very, very well. Let, let's move on. Let's move on to the Pac-12, which is a league that I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I forgot, but uh, I didn't get to really expand upon my thoughts with this league and what I was expecting out of them uh, this year, the Pac-12. But if we think about the Pac-12, there is some star power there. Arizona leads the Pac uh, with their at sitting at plus 150, one and a half to one, to win the Pac-12. But when you look at that, boy, why? Omar Balo. You seen this dude? I mean, we'll talk about Zach Eady in a little bit. But Omar Balo is, is a seven-foot monster who's playing extremely well at running the floor. you got to remember that they got Caleb Love, the transfer from North Carolina. Remember, he tried to go to Michigan, didn't get into Michigan. And then, obviously, he's now over at Arizona. And Coach Lloyd has done a great, fantastic job of becoming – Quickly, one of the best coaches in the country. He was a great assistant. I do believe for a long time under Mark Few. And he's done a fantastic job with this program to the point where they are rightfully the favorite to win the league and and are number two in the nation as of the last poll to come out today, only to be followed by Purdue. But let's move on. Number two on the list is USC. I'll get to them in a minute because you know where I'm going with this and my belief in them. Third and at six and a half to one, Colorado. Do you guys know what Tad Boyle is? Anybody heard of him? Yeah, well, he's got a fantastic team uh, led by uh, KJ Simpson and then Tristan De Silva. These two have played really well together, and Colorado was always seen to be in it. And don't count out Mick Cronin, who's done obviously. A great job. It was amazing, folks, because when Mick Cronin got the job at UCLA and he left Cincinnati, I personally didn't see the fit. I thought you had to get a glitz and glamour, L.A., Showtime. Mick Cronin's been absolutely perfect for that team. 
They mix experience with youth, and they're tough. Adam Bona is their leading leading player, leading scorer, and they can hit you in so many different ways that I really, really think you can never count out a guy like Mick Cronin, even though he lost guys like Hami Hawkes, obviously, to the NBA. But my pick to win the league is going to be USC. Why? Number one, Andy Enfield is a hell of a coach. Come on, remember, folks, he has made it to an Elite Eight. And, you know, obviously we know what he did with Lob City or Dunk City. I forget what we called it back in the day with Florida Gulf Coast. But he's done an outstanding job. And, boy, that backcourt. Man, I can love watching them play all day. Isaiah Collier, top recruit in the country. Unbelievable scoring guard. And then Boogie Ellis. Man, I never thought I would say, I mean, Boogie, you think he's a street ball legend. Boogie Ellis is is a legend on that campus. And he is just such a natural scorer. And he has just done a tremendous job of leading this team. But it's more than that, right? They got Dennis Rodman's son. As he starts to get going, he will start to figure himself out. The improved player, Kobe Johnson. And don't forget about Bronny James. He's starting to ramp himself up. And when Bronny gets there, he's going to make himself known. So because of the fact that they've been there before, their style of defense, Coach Mick Cronin, the backcourt of Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier, the improved play of Kobe Johnson, Bronny James possibly coming back with Little Rodman, I'm going to say the USC will win the Pac-12 title under Andy Enfield. Let's conclude today's podcast talking about the greatness of Zach Eady and how much does Zach Eady's game translate to the next level. See, if you if you go up and you pull up Zach Eady's stats, Zach Eady has been one of the more dominant bigs in the country. And let's take a look and pull up his stats and let's compare them. I'm going to compare them to great bigs that have come out in the last couple of years. Okay? Adonis Sonogo. Oscar Shibway and Kofi Coburn. I told you before, uh, Omar Balo can, can classify that as well because he's been outstanding. But if you think about these back-to-the-basket bigs, okay, I'm not talking about Chet Holmgren's stretch fives. No, no, no. These are back-to-the-basket guys. Zach Eady, 23-11, Look at the field goal shooting, shooting folks, 59.2. Look at what uh, uh, what... Adonis Sonogo that's shooting 76.6% from the floor, getting 17.2 last year for UConn winning the national championship. Or the play of Oscar Shibway last year at 16.5, 13.7. I do believe he led the NCAA in rebounding. Or even a guy like Kofi Coburn his last year at Illinois for Brad Underwood giving you 17.2, 9.6, 59.3% from the floor. All outstanding. Here is the problem with Zach Eady. The NBA game is completely different. If you think about the NBA, right? And let's 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 go through the the center position. Let's start with the bigs that you know step out a little bit. 
Got to go to a guy like a Bam Adebayo. Got to go to a guy like a like a Anthony Davis. You know, um, you got to go to a guard, a guy that can run the floor like crazy and getting better like a like a Jalen Duran. But when you look at bigs in this NBA, the modern day big that's back to the basket. Let's go through them. Clint Capella, Atlanta Hawks, right? Maybe a, a Jared Allen uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, a Mitchell, uh, uh, Ivaka Zubak from the, the Clippers. Rudy Gobert from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, uh, Mitchell Robinson from the New York Knicks. What do all these bigs have in common for the most part? Shot blocking presence. And still somewhat agile defensively. See, the NBA game, they run a lot of pick and rolls, pick and pops, switches. So coming out and defending the three-point line is not something that's really of a strong suit. Now, you can look at a guy like a Jonas Valanciunas or a Rudy Gobert where they play drop coverage and they sit him in the lane and rebound. That's great, but they could still run the floor. They're more athletic, and I think that is the thing. Bigs in the NBA have to be athletic. And if you, I know that Sonogo and Shibway were actually undersized. But look where all these guys got drafted. Show me how much playing time any of these guys are getting. Remember how great people talked about Luca Garza? How great he was at Iowa? How much playing time is he getting? So while Zach Eady is tremendous, and I will never knock Zach Eady. I will never knock Zach Eady again. Zach Eady is one of the most, I'm going to say right now, Zach Eady is one of the most dominant big men to come through college basketball in a long time. And I'm talking about dominant to back, like when you start thinking about dominant big men, like Olajuwon, Robinson, Ewing, Shaq, like he's been that dominant. The problem is, is, that Olajuwon era or Ewing or Brad Doherty or Shaquille O'Neal, that big man thrown into the post, go get a bucket, doesn't exist anymore. And because although I love Zach Eadie's game, I don't know if Zach Eadie's game translates to the NBA. This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast. Thank you for listening. Of course, the best way, I mean, come on. The best way to listen to the podcast and all things Sports Grid is to download the Sports Grid app. Whether it's on iOS or Android, this app gives you everything you need for your sports gambling content. Pre-game, in-game, post-game, picks, predictions, everything you need from some of the best and brightest minds in sports gambling. Like a Scotty Farrell. By the way, Scotty Farrell, get well soon. We miss you. We need you back here, brother. Get be Take your time, but come back when you're ready. Gabe Morenci, Cam Stewart, Kevin Walsh, Donnie Wrightside, Ben Stevens, Scott Wetzel, Joe Lisi, Joe Madden. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but make sure you get that Sports Grid app. Next podcast will be released on Thursday. We'll kind of look at now that the in-season tournament will be winding down. We'll start looking at the matchups for next week, and we'll revisit 
everything in the NBA. I'm thinking about my top 10 list of NBA players would be a nice little thing maybe we'll talk about next uh, podcast because maybe mine will be different. Once again, this is the Betting Above the Rim podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Coach Young. We always know the place to be for information. It's only Sportsbook. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 